Thank you, Brother Maddox, for reading the scripture. I've been very blessed by his ministry. I'm thankful to be here among the saints, to be built up and encouraged and to, to focus on the things of the Lord. I want to take you back to the book of Genesis when God created the world. And verse Genesis one twenty six, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So this image of God, the likeness of God, was evident in uh, Adam and we have been given a, a mind with which to think and understand. And you, you can see how far superior at that time, of course, he didn't uh, have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in him, but Adam had a very sharp mind. One of the first things God did was, after he created Adam, was he brought all the animals to him. And he was able to give a name to every single uh, creature. Scientists have gone through great length <laughs> to write volumes of books about classifying animals according to the species, the plants, the uh, every everything that's been created, they have a classification system. Well, Adam is the one who came up with the original list of the names of all the animals. That would take a very impressive mind And at the very beginning, uh, Adam made a very wise statement when he said, uh, after uh, God created Eve, he, he brought Eve unto Adam. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And this mind that Adam had, he, at that time it had not been corrupted. It was, uh, it was a pure mind. And he was able to uh, receive information from God. I mean, how would he know what he just said there? That God had to reveal that to him. But then in Genesis 3, we have a re record of the first... Uh, sin, when sin entered the world. And you're very familiar with the story, but God had put trees in the garden, the Garden of Eden, where uh, they were supposed to keep it and dress it. And uh, God had told Adam what to do, but he hadn't told Eve, as far as I know, God had, uh, Adam was supposed to Tell Eve, and I don't know if there was some mix-up in the instructions. Uh, all I know is uh, in Genesis three one, Satan came. Talk about the serpent, more subtle than any beast, and challenged Eve, and deceived her. And there was a corruption of the word of God, and that 
she was deceived from uh, the truth. And she took the fruit and ate it. But Adam uh, was there with her and he took it and ate it. And at that moment, sin entered into the world. And everything that God had created became corrupt, including the pure mind that Adam had. And the, as a result of that, this has entered into the world that uh, this corrupt mind, a mind that's set on the flesh, has entered into the world since that time. And everyone, everyone that I know, <laughs> I don't know everybody, but I'll just make a blanket statement. Everybody comes into this world with a corrupt mind. We, we end up where the sin, as people multiplied, sin multiplied. And the thoughts of people's hearts against God multiplied. And eventually, we come to, well, again, we see this same thing happening in the earth today. But in Genesis 6, this is what caused God to want to destroy the world. Genesis 6, 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And repented the Lord he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And we know what happened as a result of this violence that was filling the earth and people lifting up themselves in pride against God and we wouldn't want to keep God in their knowledge. As a result... God purposed to destroy the world with a flood, and he did. Of course, we have Noah, who was a just man and a righteous man, who was obedient to God and heard what God told him. Can you imagine the mind that Noah would have had to have to build that ark? That, to me, is a feat of engineering. And I don't know that he had a computer. He just used his mind. I'm, uh, we don't know what the world was like before the flood. Uh, basically, all the traces of it have been wiped away. But just think of the great mind that that Noah had. He was much closer to Adam. I will say this, that there's a claim that things are getting better and better, and uh, the claim that of science that evolution is the answer, that things are going to get better and better, more knowledge, of better wisdom. But that's exactly the opposite of what we see in this world. There's a, there's a scientific law, the first and second laws of thermodynamics, but there's also a, a spiritual law at work here where actually things are getting more and more corrupt. And I'm going to speak specifically about the mind that God gave us. The mind is a, a, a way to think and understand, to reason, and it has been given to us by God. It's a, when we see things or hear things, there's, things come into our mind through those avenues. What we see, and our mind is able to discern things and sort between what is right and wrong, what's good and evil, what is uh, going to please the Lord and what won't. But a corrupt mind makes no distinction. And of course, this, a corrupt mind is wanting to please 
I want to, if I want to please myself, then they'll turn away from the things that please God and satisfy themselves. That's the way a corrupt mind works. The mindset on the flesh, this carnal mind that we're talking about here. And it, our text to the state is Romans chapter 8, verse 6. I'll just read this. Starting in verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I want to expand upon this. The uh, carnal mind is a, a result of the corruption that entered the world with the first sin from Adam. And it it just has gone on from there. This is a mind that is uh, focused on the things that are around, the things of this world, focused on this life and what you can get out of it This to please yourself. It is uh, actually a mind that is filled with ignorance and foolishness. Now, men of this world put a lot of emphasis on uh, wisdom and understanding, but it's, a, it's not wisdom from God. It's wisdom that's opposed to God and lifted up against God. And so they put a lot of emphasis on uh, the ability of the mind to reason and to think. And, well, of course, you have a mind that you can think with, so to be taught how to think correctly. So you start when, when a child is young and you teach them because their mind can receive things. And so if you train the mind in a certain way, you, it's like the pathways. You take one path, it'll take you this direction. You take another path, it'll this direction. Well, if you start when a child is young and you set them on a path that's focused on things of this world, then their mind and everything they do will be as a result of that. The mind is like a control unit. You get this information coming in, it discerns, and it can direct your your spirit and your your mind and your body. It, it, it's a, a way of controlling or directing your your life. Now, this corrupt mind is uh, opposed to God, actually. And if you take a child when they're young and you take God out of the picture and you go down this path of increasing in knowledge but without God in it, it's actually foolishness. So you start when a child is young and you go through the preschool and the educational system through the lower grades into the high school and then you go into a, a university setting and with this concept that everything is okay except for the knowledge of God. You can expand your mind in every area, in science, in math, physics, chemistry, and there's brilliant people who've given their minds to understand science, but they took God out of the picture. God says they're fools. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so you just, the mind is able to be instructed you can put information into it. But if you put the wrong information into it, what you put into it is what comes out. And it comes out through the, through the heart, what you believe, and it comes out through your actions, what you do. Well, what if you took that same child 
when they're young, like Timothy, young Timothy was taught by his uh, mother and his grandmother. And they taught him early to, to know the scriptures. There had to be a point, of course, Timothy still had a corrupt mind, but he was given good knowledge. At some point, Paul came to him and uh, we know that Timothy was converted. His conversion is not recorded. But at some point, his mind changed from being a corrupt mind or a carnal mind to being a spiritual mind. That's the way all of us are. Every single person, you're either right now in your mind living for the flesh, which directs your body and your course of action, or you're living for this, living to please the Lord, living, following after spiritual things. So this carnal mind is described in Romans chapter 1, verse 28 through 32. I'll just read here. This is talking about the carnal mind. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's a mind that is not able to discern right from wrong. You can't tell what to do. Gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This is talking about the corrupt mind being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful. And think about this. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but take pleasure, have pleasure in them that do them. So you think, well, I'm not actually doing that over there, but I enjoy thinking about it. I enjoy watching them do it. That's the, This is that corrupt mind at work. Notice that this is a, the focus is they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So if you develop your mind in all these areas, the music, art, history, science, political science, there are people who are brilliant political thinkers, but they don't want to have God in their knowledge. That's their corrupt mind at work. It's a mind that is unable to reason clearly. You can't tell what to do or what's right or wrong. You can't make a good judgment. Well, we have uh, another passage that describes this corrupt mind. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 17 through 19. Now, this is there's three categories of people that the Scripture talks about. The Jews, the Gentiles, and those who believe in Christ. Jews would be those for the uh, genetically the, or uh, converted to be Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're still in the world today. Gentiles would be those people who were not in covenant with God. So the Jews had a covenant with God through Moses. The Gentiles did not. And you're either in one of those two categories. But then the third category, well, you've come to know that Jesus is the Lord and you put faith in him that who he is, he's the son of God, that he died to take away your sin and rose again. 
Well, then you're the third category. So when it was talking about Gentiles here, of course, uh, this is talking about people who originally did not have a covenant with God, and they weren't raised to have any knowledge of God. And they lived that way because their mind and actions were corrupt. In the book of Romans, Paul makes a great case that whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're all in the same boat, opposed to God, not able to keep his law, alienated from God. So when we talk about the Gentiles here, he's talking about those people. It's in Ephesians chapter... Uh, can you Can you remember this? This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You see the importance of knowledge and understanding and being instructed. But what if your understanding is darkened? You are not going to be able to receive anything from God. What if you have a, a mind that is puffed up with vanity, uh, hardened against God, prideful, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them so that the true knowledge and wisdom is not whether you can uh, describe the inner workings of a black hole or whether you can describe in great detail all the particles of physics, the quantum mechanics, or any of those things. That's not the true wisdom. The true wisdom is the fear of God, being able to discern that God has hid in Christ all the wisdom and knowledge. You either have your heart that is blinded or your heart is opened by God to understand to understand spiritual knowledge. And you notice that this, this wisdom of this world is vanity. It's just utter foolishness. They wouldn't see that because their mind is still corrupt. I remember when I was like that. There's another passage that talks about this corrupt, carnal mind. And you can be uh, appear like you're serving God outwardly, but in the in your heart and mind, you're still alienated from God. In Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-one through twenty-two, again we're talking about the carnal mind. This is uh, this corrupt mind that everyone has. You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So it's the wicked works that we did driven by our corrupt mind that alienated us from God. And God does want us to live a righteous life in holiness. But if your mind is alienated from God, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. Praise God that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. Another passage, just in 
another chapter, Colossians chapter 2, 18 and 19. Now again, uh, we're talking about this corrupt, carnal, fleshly mind. It talks about uh, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So you see this uh, great swelling of pride and raising up against God, not wanting to keep God in your knowledge or not wanting to follow God. And so it's vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Now in Colossians chapter 2 it's talking about uh, all of the uh, I'm going to have to do a second part because I'm not even on my <laughs> not even on my first page. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2 it's talking about all the things of the law uh, keeping holy days or not fasting or not being uh, eating things that were clean or unclean. Those things are just a shadow that all points to Christ. It says, let no man beguile you of your reward. If you focus on the external things and not you're not a, controlled by the head, you're not holding to the head, you can't get nourishment from God. Now it talks about people who are uh, speaking about things that they have not seen. Intruding into things they haven't seen. There's maybe something they come up with their own fleshly mind, but it's not knowledge from God. It says not holding the head, not being nourished. This is the, that fleshly mind. And one more passage in Titus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto the, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abom abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. There's that good word reprobate, which is pretty much eradicated from the English language. But that's not being able to discern right and wrong, not wanting to uh, retain God in your knowledge. If you have a, a pure mind, then your thoughts are pure. Praise God for a pure mind. I had, I had to stuff my mind full of all kinds of evil. And God has taken it and cleaned it out. And to the pure, all things are pure. Have you ever met people who they're... Uh, Every thought they had was twisted in an evil way. They would come up with filthy jokes or filthy language or things like that. It comes directed from the mind. It didn't just, they don't have a pure mind and they're saying these things. What is in a person comes out of them. You have a, you can have a, this fleshly mind is defiled and unbelieving. It's a, 
defiled in mind and conscience. And here's the, the key. They profess that they know God. You've probably met a lot of people like that. I was once a person like that. I professed I knew God. But it works denying Him. I praise God that He's reconciled me. Amen. So we don't want to have this corrupt, carnal, fleshly mind. Now, I'll take you to Genesis chapter 26. Now, we have the case of Esau. And... Uh, Isaac had uh, trained him. He, uh, Isaac had gotten the covenant and the blessing from Abraham. And now he had two sons. They were twins. And we have uh, in Genesis 25, the end of it, remember Jacob and Esau. Jacob despised his birthright. Now, Esau despised his birthright. And Jacob saw how valuable it was. This is that corrupt mind despising things that are truly valuable and worthwhile. But you come to the end of Genesis 26. You know, uh, Isaac and Rebekah wanted him to have a, a godly wife. But here's what Esau did. When Esau was 40 years old, he took to wife Judith the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They weren't godly people. They were they had no knowledge of God. And here's what it says. They they were a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. We don't want to be a person like like Esau, who he purposely went out of his way to irritate his parents by choosing uh, Someone to marry who was not godly in any way. There were Canaanites that, who, uh, they weren't part of the covenant at all. That's why they sent, uh, they sent, uh, Jacob back to his own people to find a wife who would not be corrupted by the Canaanite, uh, practices. One, one more thing in to describing this carnal, fleshly mind. In Philippians, chapter 2, chapter 3. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. What if someone would say, well, I love God. I'm a Christian. I profess to know Him. But they're focused on their self, how they can please themselves. Minding earthly things. See, the distinction is, yeah. is your mind set on this life or on our life in heaven? Yeah. Yeah, is it says our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. person living like there is no recompense for their actions. I can live however I want to and there are no repercussions. Not keeping in mind the judgment of God. Not bearing in mind that the Lord is coming back. 
focused on this life. They may, uh, uh, I hope that you are not in this, not in this condition. This condition would be uh, alienated from God. A person may think, well, I'm okay. I, I went through this ritual or I, I'm faithful going to church. I do all these good works. I say I love God. I, I, uh, I sing the songs and I lift my hands and I worship. Is your mind on earthly things? This is a, I remind you in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So a carnal mind is a mind that's focused on this life. It's a, a mind full of doubts. It's, it's focused on, uh, well, worry. Where am I going to get? Where am I going to have the money to get food or clothes or a place to live? It's a mind that hasn't given all those cares to God. It's, it's a mind that is being blinded in unbelief. It's a mind that's corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's a mind that is fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind. It's a corrupt mind. I just ask you, what is your mind like? Are you able to discern if you have a, a carnal mind or a spiritual mind? I'm speaking to believers here. I'm wanting to lay out the foundation for yes. the distinction between a carnal mind yes. and a spiritual mind. So I'm going to have to end here and uh, resume. So I'll have to have a part two about the spiritual mind that's set on following the Lord. I'll tell you. If you, uh, if you focus on this life and you get distracted from pursuing God with all your heart. That's the carnal mind. If, you're being, if your life is being choked out by worries and cares and pursuit of fame or fortune or worldly wealth, that's this carnal mind. It leads to death. Now, to get out of the state of being carnally minded, a required... It required Jesus to come yes. to die for us. Amen. You know how one sin entered the world and it corrupted the whole world and it led God to want to destroy the world. And he did mm-hmm. with the flood. I'll tell you, there's another coming judgment, another coming destruction of this world. If you have a carnal mind, it's going to result in judgment and condemnation and damnation. To be carnally minded is death. Now, I'm going to f- next time, I want to focus on being spiritually minded is life and peace. Mm-hmm. So I'm speaking to Christians here. I just ex- challenge you to examine in, in your thoughts. Yeah. Are, are you able to receive from the Lord? Are you able to discern right from wrong? Uh, this is a thing to pursue having our minds transformed and renewed. I'm going to speak about these things on the next time. So I thank you for your attention, and uh, Lord bless you.